Hey, and welcome to the Brilliant Perspectives Podcast with Graham Cook. I'm your host, Michael Becchio. Thank you for joining me. Today, we're going to continue with part two of Reframing from Graham's widely acclaimed conference series, The Art of Thinking Brilliantly, found on both Brilliant TV and our store. I'll leave links in the description of this episode for you to check out more on that series. Also, before we jump in here, in a few days' time, we're going to be running another live event for Impartation, which is our new discipleship and guided learning community. This is run by Graham's wife, Teresa Cook, Jenny Taylor, and myself. The event will be online and free to attend. So come check it out because you'll without a doubt be blessed and leave enriched and solidly encouraged. That was definitely the fruit from the first time we did it last month and we can't wait to jump in together again. It's gonna be this coming Friday, January 21st at 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's in just a few days from now, so be sure to check it out using the link I provided in the description below this episode, and go ahead and sign up while you're thinking about it. We'd love to have you there. I hope to see you. Lastly, stay tuned after Graham's message wraps up for a few more minutes as I identify and break down a few keys for us to take away from today. All right, let's get started. talking to a guy who was bitter and resentful at being fired from his job. And he went on for 10 minutes about how they betrayed him and this, that, and the other, and how he felt, and I'm too old to get a job, the kind of job that I really need and really want, and I probably may never work again, and, you know, and all this angst and bitterness and resentment. So I said, okay, I have a question for you. What does the Lordship of Jesus mean to you right now? Because it seems to me that the Lordship of Jesus matters on days like this. Yeah? He's not just around for the good stuff. He's doubly around for the stuff that would knock your head sideways. What does the Lordship of Jesus mean for you right now? Here's my observation on your circumstances. What if you didn't get fired? What if God released you from a job that you would never have left so that you could do something better? That's remodeling. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, did you like the job that you had? Well, not really. (laughs) Well, were you fulfilled in that job? No. Well, dude, what are you so mad about? So God has released you from a job that you didn't like to do to do something that you would like to do. Perhaps you'd like to think about that. It's interesting, eh? I sometimes feel that most Christians studied at the University of Weird. You know, there's a difference between state and standing. Your state is how you see yourself outside of Christ. We see ourselves often as weak, powerless, incapable, inadequate, victims, and so on. Your standing is who you are in Christ, in your truest identity, 
You're strong, you're powerful, you're favored, you're accepted, you're beloved, you're anointed, state and standing. In our state, our emotions are overwhelmed by negativity. They get caught up in those mental filters through which we look at our world. In our standing, the passion of Jesus for us empowers our emotions as we understand how he thinks of us. So joy and rejoicing are on the menu 24-7, even in your sleep. Shakespeare said, there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. See, in Christ, we are aligned with the Father's perception of Jesus in us. I love the fact that everything comes to us because all of heaven is attracted to Jesus in you. Everything comes to the Christ in you. So that's the best place in the world to stand is in this grace in which we stand in Christ. Heaven is attracted to us. The kingdom wraps around us. And all the permissions of God are yes and amen in Jesus. So in Christ, we keep all our thinking inside the boundaries of God's love, His grace, His kindness, and His mercy, so that we are empowered by His goodness towards us. So that in Jesus, our emotions come from a heart of rejoicing, thanksgiving, and gratitude. All of our emotions should be touched by joy. I always find it interesting that people get mad when people start laughing in church. Now they get offended. Which is fascinating to me because what are, you know, they say, oh, it's emotionalism. What about all the people who come with their misery, with their fear, with their anxiety, with their worry, with their panic? Nobody accuses them of being emotional. So what is it that makes misery acceptable but joy unacceptable? That's the university of weird right there. That doesn't make a lick of sense to anybody. And now you've realized it. You're thinking, I'm not bringing my misery to church anymore. <laughs> I love the way God looks at things. Here's the thing. We do not allow our beliefs to be challenged by our circumstances. We allow them to be strengthened. What if all your circumstances are really a source of strength to you? Whether they're good, bad, or ugly. What if God is using a bad situation to strengthen your belief? Wouldn't that be just like Him? The honest agenda is... Oh, I'm allowing this because I really want to strengthen who you are. I want to teach you a little bit of patience and perseverance. It'll be cool. Just stay close to me and don't panic. <laughs> we challenge our circumstances by what we believe about who God is for us. So you can flat out get in the face of your circumstances and say, listen, this is who I am. This is who God is for me. This is what I'm doing. I'm about to start rejoicing. You may not want to stick around. 
<laughs> but this is who I really am. This is my true identity. And this circumstance is going to make me a better person. And it's going to deliver me a, an upgrade. Yeah, we're not used by our circumstances. We use them. It will be a real blessing to heaven if you stop trying to stir up your old self to rejoice. <laughs> Trust me, your angel will kiss you. Your new nature can't help themselves rejoice. Sometimes if you're in a meeting and you don't feel like it, it's a clear indication you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong identity because your new nature loves to rejoice. Your new nature adores Jesus and can't wait to bless him. If you're in a meeting and I don't really feel like worshiping, that's your old nature talking to you. And you don't talk back, you just ignore it. Just step into your new nature. Stop trying to stir up your old self to rejoice. If you're going to learn the power of rejoicing, then you must let go of being upset, anxious, tired, and feeling down. Let it go. Put it away from you. Lay aside the old self and put on the new self. Rejoicing is an act of the will. It's not an act of the emotion. God works in you both to will and to do. The key thing for us is that we're always handing over our will to the Lord. Philippians 2.13, God works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Changing your mindset is the best way to handle a negative. Don't argue with negativity. Ignore it. Change your mindset. While well, not thinking that, I'm going to think something better. You can only replace a mindset with a mindset. So here's the thing, though. You've got to step forcefully into the mind of Christ and ask different questions of the Holy Spirit, who loves questions anyway. We must never tolerate a divided self. You've got to decide who you're going to be in the Spirit and then realize all your life circumstances are to strengthen that identity. Don't engage with the negative. Put on the new. Let me read you something else from the Bible. Ephesians 4, verse 20 But you didn't learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self 
which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. You don't deal with the old self. You set it aside. Yeah? We're not pastoring a corpse. We're not counseling our old nature. We are discipling our real nature, our true nature in Jesus. Lay aside the old self. Don't work on it. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Pay attention to who Jesus is for you because that's where your freedom lies. Put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, and righteousness will flow, and holiness of the truth will be a part and a fixture in your life. We don't have a sin problem. We have a problem with beauty and majesty. We don't realize how beautiful we are to God and how majestic His love is towards us. Your new self will tell you all that stuff. Your new self glories in Jesus. I think our old nature is confused by God. The natural mind can't understand the things of the Spirit. It's confusing. God is not the author of confusion. We are. When we step out of our placement in Christ, all our receptors become invalid. We become confused when His truth clashes with what is inauthentic about the Christ life in our experience. Let me read you something else from the Bible. Colossians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. I lied. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. Thank God. That's in parentheses that I put in myself. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. There it is, black and white. It's in the Bible. You're dead. Shut up. <laughs> and when I say shut up, I, I say it in the sweetest possible way. Because we encourage our new nature to talk, but the old nature, it's like, shut up. Uh, shut up. Life in Christ reflects the place that, where He lives and where we live in Him. Our vision of ourselves is always upgraded in Jesus. It's little like having a first-class ticket on a plane, but choosing to travel in coach. 
It's not Bible believing to be listening to your old voice, your old self. You're a new creation. The old self is dead. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Practice being alive to God in your thinking. Yeah, you've got a first-class ticket in Jesus. Don't sit in coach. I will send Sarge after you. He'll sort you out. You haven't met, you've met Sarge yet? You need to meet Sarge. He'll sort you out. Because <laughs> he's a lover of Jesus. And a lover of the true place to live from. And that's your identity. I am a lover of the real place of connection in Jesus. And I'm not settling for an inferior way of thinking. When I want to think like him, I want to think about myself the way that God thinks about me. We're in Christ. When we're weak, we are strong. Why? Because he has a way of coming into weakness and making it feel brilliant. When we, can, when we feel inadequate, we can do all things in Christ. Why? Because Jesus has a way of coming into an inadequacy and turning it right around. When we are reviled for his name, we are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. So, you know, you need to be asking, Lord, can I just have a few more people to revile me? Fortunately, I don't have to pray that prayer. My hate mail is substantial. And all my hate mail has taught me to dance, which I'm not going to do right now. It's like I read a piece of hate mail. I don't get down by it because my question is, okay, look, I'm reading it out to the Lord. This is what he said. And so, okay, can I be blessed because of that? Can I have a little bit more glory because of that? Can you just rest upon me right now? I'm using it. Here's the thing. You always are declaring who you are. We need to quit declaring who we're not. Declare who we are in Jesus. That's brilliant thinking. In October 2009, I contracted a brain virus and I'm still dealing with some of the after effects of that. Uh, this weekend is my payback. <laughs> so, here was my position in our, when I was like on the floor with this thing for a few months. Here's my position. This is the place where I chose to make my stand in terms of fighting back. And I would declare to the enemy. I am not battling with this condition. I'm surrendering to a power in Christ I've never known before. I am not a sick person trying to get well. I'm a whole person fighting off sickness. Yeah? So that for me, every single day, that was my space before the Lord. This is who I am. And every day, I think I'm on day, I don't know, 300 and something, where I'm presenting myself to the Lord. I mean, it's brilliant. Every morning, it's like, ta-da, here I am. <laughs> Just presenting myself for healing. Saying, Lord, this is my position. 
It's my pleasure to ask and keep on asking, knowing that it will be given. All right, let's go through a few keys together before we close. As I've mentioned previously, it helps to identify key truths as you're listening to things like this, paying attention to what the Holy Spirit highlights for you so you can draw in, assimilate, and apply the things you're learning into your walk with Jesus. We covered keys one through five in the first part of reframing last week. So we'll start with key number six here. And that is, in Christ, we keep all of our thinking inside the boundaries of what God is like and who he is for us. One of the resulting connotations here is that all other thinking is illegal and ineligible. The definition of ineligible means legally or officially unable to be considered for a position. I think that's a perfect word here because it gives us permission to completely let go of thinking that's outside these boundaries. It actually shows us it's not okay in the kingdom to entertain these thoughts. And of course, there's grace, there's compassion. The Father Jesus and Holy Spirit are not going to be mad at you or frustrated with you if you go into that kind of thinking. It's more so for us, we realize, wow, I don't even get to go there. Because in Christ, I've died to the elementary principles of this world. I've died to the old man and the old way of thinking. I have died to everything that was true about me that would have condemned me or that would have made me less than before God. And now, I get to only live in the thoughts that God has about me and the things that he says about me and the reality of who he truly is for me. This reminds me of another famous quote from Graham where he says, if all your thinking has brought you to a place you don't like, have another thought. (laughs) Those other thoughts he's talking about spring from this new place of keeping all your thinking inside these boundaries. This frees us to consistently contemplate the beauty and majesty present in all situations. Later, you'll see in episode six next week that Graham says, learn how to have your thoughts in alignment with who God is for you. Key number seven, we do not allow our beliefs to be challenged by our circumstances. We allow them to be strengthened. This hails from having the correct starting place in how we view our life in God. And then that cascades into all of our situations. Then we can, as Graham said, challenge our circumstances by what we believe about who God is for us. Another tie-in, as you'll see next week in episode six, which is part three of Reframing, Graham says there, don't allow your circumstances to be bigger than your blessings. The truth is, in Christ, the bigger the circumstances, the greater the provision. Key eight. Life in Christ reflects the place where he lives and where we live in him. I'm going to share a few scriptures here that back up this truth. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 through 6, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And then raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 through 3 says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And lastly, Romans 6, 10 and 11 says, For the death that Christ died, he died to sin for us once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> there it is again. It's illegal to think in that old way because we're dead to it. It's ineligible. It's not even real because it is not true about us before God. Those things that belong to the old nature, to our sin nature, to the part of us that died, it's not true. It's not real. And therefore, it deserves none of our consideration. What does deserve our consideration is this. You also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I believe it's nine different times that Romans chapter six talks about us being dead, <laughs> not only just to sin, but to all the old way of thinking and seeing and believing. We're dead to the old man and alive to the new in God. Lastly, key number nine, you need to always declare who you are in Jesus and quit declaring who you're not. This relates back to the idea of displacement, which was key number one that I brought up from reframing part one in the previous podcast episode. It also relates to Graham's idea of don't deal with the old, but practice the new, which was key number five from that episode as well. All righty, that lands it for today. Join me again next week for the third and final part of reframing from the art of thinking brilliantly. And don't forget to sign up and join us for the free live importation event this Friday, January 21st at 10 a.m. If you haven't signed up already, <laughs> go do it now. Beloved, continue in Christ and enjoy his love, confident and fully assured that he truly is good, not just generally speaking, but truly good to you personally. And he loves you more immensely than you can ever fathom. Many blessings and great joy to you in the Holy Spirit. Have an awesome week.